Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. My amazing wife, Linda, has taught me that we have cancer because every one of us is affected by it in some way. Survivors, family, friends, and medical and support team members. And we all have a story worth telling. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 103. Thank you so much for joining me today. My guest this week is Michael Holtz. Michael first appeared on the podcast back when it was the Colon Cancer Podcast way back over three years ago in episode seven. You can listen to that interview at wehavecancershow.com forward slash zero zero seven. Michael is the author of the book, It's Not Harder Than Cancer. And we talked a lot about his book in our first conversation back in 2015. Uh, got an update on his story and uh, his diag- original diagnosis as a stage three colorectal cancer survivor. And now here we are over three years later and a lot to catch up on with Michael. And I had him on the show to talk about the great work that he's doing uh, in the area of advocacy. Michael's uh, working tirelessly to uh, do a lot of great work uh, in uh, to, to promote uh, favorable cancer legislation. And um, it was just really great to catch up with Michael after all these years. So join me now for my conversation with Michael Holtz. Michael, I don't get the chance too often to tell guests of the show, welcome back, but for you, I get to do that. So welcome back to the podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me back. I'm excited. I am too. And I really appreciate you uh, reaching out and kind of volunteering yourself. I thought that was great, you know, with uh, an expanded message to share, but for our newer listeners that are going, what does he mean? Welcome back. <laughs> Michael was on episode number seven. So if you want to check out my first conversation with Michael Holtz, go to the wehavecancershow.com forward slash zero zero seven. And here we are on episode 101 and you're back. So for a multitude of reasons, some more obvious than others, we're great that here, great that you're back. <laughs> You know, and uh, you know that has multiple meanings. I don't Absolutely. Need to and I want to start, Michael, with because there's a few people that I've had on the show that I find myself quoting over and over again in other episodes. And you're one of those people. And I just used one of your quotes recently uh, on an interview that I did. And it keeps coming back. And you told me when I interviewed you back in 2015. And I think my quote's pretty accurate, is that the portrait of your family and friends that were with you before your diagnosis will not be the same portrait after. That's exactly right. Do you remember sharing that with me? I do remember that. And it's true. Um, Family portrait has gotten larger, but it's still different. You know, some of the people that were in our lives before still have not returned, but The people now in our family, as we're six years out from diagnosis, is a much larger group of people. And a diverse group, I imagine. Yes, it's a very, very diverse group and a wonderful 
wonderful groups. Now, if I recall, when we spoke back three years ago, you were still working for the American Cancer Society, I think? I was, yes. I, I may have just left the organization, but I, I may still have been working. I'm trying to remember exactly. But when my book came out, I had, I think I had just left the organization. Right. I think that happened shortly thereafter. So uh, Michael wrote a book about his journey called It's Not Harder Than Cancer. And uh, you can find the details on it by either going back to the old episode that I mentioned earlier, or I'll have a link to it again uh, in the show notes for this episode at wehavecancershow.com forward slash 101. But Michael, you reached out to me this time and uh, specifically to talk about your increased role as as an advocate. Talk to me about some of the things that, that you've gotten involved in uh, over the last couple of years. Well, so it's interesting you should mention my previous life working for the American Cancer Society, because when I left, I was at this point in my life and in my journey where I was tired of talking about cancer. You know, working for ACS and ACS can as much as I loved it. At that point, I was two and a half years post-diagnosis, through treatment, you know, all of that. And I had just reached this point where I didn't want to talk about it anymore. And I recognize now that it was because I didn't have control of how I was talking about it. Because I was working in the cancer space, whatever the legislative issue was, whatever the project was that I was working on, controlled how I was talking about cancer. So I leave the organization in 2015. Six months later, I get pulled back in. I get invited to an event that the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network and um, Stand Up to Cancer did in Washington, D.C., kicking off a campaign to increase federal funding for cancer research. It was called the One Degree Campaign. And I got invited to represent my state at this event. And before that event was over, I said, okay, I want to be a leader for the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network and accepted an invitation to be my state's state lead ambassador, which is essentially the lead advocacy volunteer for my state. And I accepted that role because I recognized that not working, not being employed in the cancer space, my story was much more powerful. If I could tell my story to lawmakers and there wasn't the onus of being paid to work for the organization, if that makes sense. It does. That's really interesting. So I started sharing my story and having worked for the organization and understanding the volunteer structure and what the role of state lead ambassador meant, it really meant that I'm this high profile advocacy volunteer. And so any issue that comes up related to cancer from a legislative perspective, I, one, need to be versed in that issue. And I need to be able to tell my story as it relates to what that legislative issue is. At the same time, bringing along 
the other advocates on my state team, but recruiting other individuals to also take action. And one of the great things about the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network and other, you know, the Colorectal Cancer Alliance and others make advocacy really easy because in many cases it's as simple as pressing a button to send an email to lawmakers and you've sent them what your opinion is on how you want them to vote, whether it's federal cancer research funding or closing the colorectal cancer loophole in Medicare or supporting the STAR Act to increase funding and research for childhood cancer. So we make it easy. You get to tell your story. You get to make your voice heard. And ultimately, you get to make an impact on a disease that we all want to go away at some point, whether it's in our lifetimes or in my case, in the lifetimes of my nieces and nephews, I'd love for them to wake up one day, and, you know, ask the question, you know, what was cancer? I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to say, uh, let's do that in my <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> I love, I'm with I'm, you. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I think people often wonder, does, quote, pushing that button to send an email make a difference? Uh, does, does my voice really matter? I know from personal experience, I had my first opportunity to participate in Fight CRC's call on Congress uh, this past March. And we visited with the Florida State Senator, uh, we visited with both of their offices, but uh, one of the state senators who had not at, at that time agreed to co-sponsor that bill to close uh, the Medicare loophole for colorectal cancer. I believe it was the Senate Bill 478, if I remember. Right. And as a result of our visit, I received an email from his office saying that Senator Bill Nelson has now agreed to sign on to the bill. So absolutely, our vo a voice does matter. And, and you know, I'm curious to hear uh, what experiences you've had, Michael, uh, where people speaking out has 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 also made a difference. Well, certainly similar to your experience with um, closing the um, colorectal cancer loophole, members of my team across the state have had experiences with meeting with their lawmakers and their lawmakers coming out and sponsoring, you know, either the closing the loophole bill or the Cancer Moonshot Initiative, or, you know, they come out as co-sponsors of the legislation. We're asking them to co-sponsor Pachita, the um, Palliative Care and Hospice Education and Training Act, which is a piece of legislation that we're working on now to expand not only what, you know, quality of life care for cancer patients from the moment of diagnosis, but also people's understanding in the general public of what palliative care means, you know, that it really is team-centered care from the moment of diagnosis um, to, you know, God forbid, the end of life. But um, lawmakers coming out in support of that as well. One of, one of my challenges as the state lead, state lead ambassador is my relationship is with our senators and both Senator Lamar Alexander and Senator Bob Corker, who have been wonderful supporters of 
expanded and increased federal funding for cancer research and other cancer-related issues don't often announce co-sponsorships because of their leadership roles. Senator Alexander, as you may know, is the chair of the Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee, which really does a lot of the work around appropriations. So while he may not, for example, co-sponsor, come out as a co-sponsor for increased federal funding for cancer research, his office did incredible work pulling together the funding for 21st Century Cures and the Cancer Moonshot Initiative. So he does the work, he just may not announce as a co-sponsor, but I, I do know he knows who I am. Um, although I've only met with him once and it was at the airport in BC. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he, I was flying up for a quality of, sorry, a healthcare related um, fly-in lobby day with ACS Can, the Multiple Sclerosis Society. There were 25 or 26 different organizations who were sending representatives up to meet with lawmakers as discussions were underway about whether or not to dismantle the Affordable Care Act and you know what which parts of it and and all of that that sort of happens early in the current administration. Um, I was flying up to meet with Senator Alexander and he happened to be on my plane. And <laughs> he was he was actually reading and I'm not making this up. He was reading an article in our daily newspaper by a reporter who knew I was going up and wrote a story about why I was headed to Washington, D.C. And so, you were on his plane. <laughs> and I was on his plane. And I'm sitting, oh, 15 rows behind him. And the whole way that we're flying up, I'm just... I'm praying, you know, God, give me an opportunity. Give me, you know, I just need five minutes to make my case and tell him why, you know, he needs to support, you know, protecting pre-existing con conditions and all of the sorts of things that we were asking for. And when we got to DCA, when you fly in from Knoxville, you're sort of in the part of the Ronald Reagan airport that's a little bit like the bus terminal. <laughs> <laughs> you get off a you get off a plane and then you get on a tram and you take this tram to the terminal and I got to stand right in front of him <laughs> and he was standing next to a gentleman that he clearly knew because they were in the middle of a conversation when I got on the tram but I listened and the gentleman his the gentleman that he knew opened the door for me by mentioning how crazy it was with all of the discussions on Capitol Hill about the Affordable Care Act and changes. And so I just looked at him and I said, so Senator Alexander, can I talk to you about that? <laughs> <laughs> and I introduced myself and he, re he recognized me from the newspaper and we talked for the rest of the tram ride into the terminal all the way to the security gate. Uh, so I got the opportunity to make my case, to tell him why I was there, that I would be seeing him or his staff the next day. 
Um, and what I was going to be asking for was making sure that patient protections were taken care of in whatever iteration or however things changed with the Affordable Care Act, that pre-existing conditions and other patient protections needed to be salvaged. And it was, <laughs> it was a great thing. So I definitely know he, he heard my voice. I often see people posting in the various Facebook groups talking about their struggle to stay hydrated. And if that applies to you, you should check out H2ORS. H2ORS is an oral rehydration solution. It's a medically accepted alternative to IV hydration. So for those of you who are struggling with this issue of staying hydrated, either due to an ostomy or perhaps chemotherapy, H2ORS is something for you to consider. It'll really help replenish your fluids and electrolyte levels. As a matter of fact, it has three times the electrolytes of most of the popular sports drinks without the excess sugar, artificial flavor, or artificial colors. My buddy Chris Shaw over at H2ORS is offering listeners of the podcast an opportunity to try a free sample of H2ORS. All you need to do is just go to their site, h2ors.com forward slash sample, and they'll ship a free sample out to you, no strings attached. And when you're ready to make your first purchase at h2ors.com, if you use the coupon code CC. P-O-D, they'll give you 10% off your first order. Be sure to stick around to the end of this episode to learn how you can get your rear in gear. So not everybody gets the chance to uh, go to Washington like you and I did. Not everybody gets the chance to uh, share a a plane with their state representative or senator. (laughs) Uh, talk right. about the little things that people can do. I, I do want to go back to the, you know, to the email thing. Uh, Cause I know yeah. I, I'm guilty of it too. I've done it. Oh, I'm busy. You know, what difference does it make? Mm-hmm. I would tell you, I think my perspective has changed having, you know, now gone to Washington, but f- from your perspective, having been on that side, uh, talk to us about why something as simple as a quick email really can make a difference. The phone calls and the emails can make a difference because they're counting. You know, his, our senators, our leaders, staff in Washington and even at the local level are counting the calls that come in. So if folks are sending in an email or making a phone call in support of Pachita or in support of federal research funding or closing the Medicare loophole, whatever the issue is, they're paying attention to that and generally you know the squeaky loudest voices tend to get the grief so we need to be all about the business of making noise however that happens um so those little things that don't feel like they make a difference really do they are paying attention to how many people and from which districts and you know, which neighborhoods, so so they know who's active and who's involved and why people and that people in their districts care about the issues that they're calling in or sending emails about. And, you know, even if, because, you know, from, from Fight CRC and other organizations, a lot of our emails sound the same. You know, they're pre-written, we can add you know, a little bit of our own story. So they all sound the same, but somebody still took an action to make sure 
that that email got there, that a phone call was made, that a letter to the editor appeared in the newspaper, um, that someone stopped by. I mean, some of the other things that you can do, you know, stop by your lawmaker's office, whether if it's your senator's, you know, office closest to you or your representative, whether it's your congressman or your state representatives, you know, you stop by their office or you stop by their house or their place of business. You know, in Tennessee, we have a part-time legislature, so a lot of our lawmakers have other jobs. They'll still see their constituents. So any opportunity you have to make your voice heard, to make your presence known, to let them know I'm a voter and I'm paying attention to this and this issue is important to me. They're, they are paying attention to that. They're, they're all in the business of keeping their job. So, uh, Absolutely. it makes sense. And it's, it a, it's a simple way to, to say it. And it's a, a nonpartisan, you know, at least that's my intention view of it. Uh, you know, we right. want to continue to keep our job and stay elected. And that happens by, making those your constituents uh, uh happy so voices do matter and certainly your voice has m- mattered michael uh i couldn't help but notice and i'm curious to hear the story behind it but uh from what i understand you received some very nice recognition as being recognized <laughs> a couple months ago as the patient advocate of the year by the Provision Cares Foundation. I'm not familiar with the organization, so I'm curious to know a little bit about them and why why you? What did you do to get on their radar and, and receive such nice accolades? Well, thank you for that, Lee. Um, the Provision Cares Foundation is actually the non or the foundation arm of Provision Cares, which is a proton therapy treatment center located here in Knoxville that is working to expand access to proton therapy across the country. What their foundation does is whether you're a patient being treated at their facility or not, they help meet the daily practical needs of cancer patients. So they have a food program that works a lot like mobile meals. So they have someone who can deliver meals to your house. Um, They help with transportation assistance. You know, radiation and other types of treatment can often be expensive if you have to make five trips to the treatment center in a week. And we live, you know, Knoxville, while a lovely city, um, is surrounded by a lot of rural area. And... People have to make a trek in, and sometimes, you know, that trek can be an hour or more to come in for treatment. And so if you're doing that every day, you know, gas is expensive, and you might not make enough money to pay for all the gas that you need to get to treatment. So the Provision Cares Foundation helps with some of that. What's interesting about the award is, while I know who they are, I've not worked for their organization, but because of the work I've done uh, and the name recognition that I have, a friend of mine who actually used to work for Provision Cares nominated me for this award, and they looked at kind of 
my body of work, so to speak, in the advocacy arena and chose me to be the patient advocate, which is incredibly humbling and wonderful. But as you know, we, we, we don't do this. <laughs> we don't do it for the recognition. We do it to get rid of cancer. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, so you're six years out from diagnosis um, and your health is good? My health is really good. Um, amazingly, considering that there's an 80% likelihood of recurrence in the first two years after diagnosis of stage 3B rectal cancer, which is what I was diagnosed with, um, yeah, I'm doing really well. I'm staying active. My activity has changed from running in marathons and Spartan races to weightlifting because one of the dreaded side effects of chemo is neuropathy in my feet, and I just can't do the running, the pounding of the sidewalk, and, and all of that is not good for my feet or my legs. So I've switched up what I'm doing. I still get to stay active and have fun doing it and meet really wonderful people who are supportive and, you know, are part of that new family portrait. Uh-huh. Where can people find you online, Michael? They can find me online at my website. It's michaelholtzonline.com. They can also find me um, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. So Great. Well, Michael, I really appreciate you reaching out to come back on the show. Uh, it means so much to me, you know, to be able to look and say, goodness, you know, episode seven in 2015 <laughs> and episode 101 in 2018, uh, it's a testament to many things. It's a testament to to you and the incredible and tireless work that you've done. It's a testament to our whole community who has uh, supported the podcast uh, and uh, and have listened to stories like yours and have shared stories like yours and have subscribed to the show. Um, and it's just uh, I'm thrilled to. Uh, have you such as and, and truly appreciate having you as such a wonderful supporter of the work that we've done and uh, thank you for all the great work you're doing for the state of tennessee and for all of us uh patients and survivors uh you clearly are making a difference and it's appreciated well thanks lee and episode 101 is a testament to you as well for looking for and finding and helping tell the stories of people like me and my fellow survivors and people who who are doing wonderful things. So thank you for continuing your work. My pleasure. Truly my pleasure. Take care, my friend. Thank you, sir. Lots of great Get Your Rear in Gear events taking place over the next several weeks. Let's get right to it. And starting this Saturday for our friends up in Boston, Massachusetts is the Get Your Rear and Gear 5K Run, Walk, and Kids Fun Run. That is taking place at DCR Mother's Rest at Carson Beach. The following Saturday out in Las Vegas is the Get Your Rear and Gear 5K Run, Walk, and Kids Fun Run. That is taking place at Cornerstone Park in Gibson Springs. And also on that same day for our friends in the Great Northwest up in Seattle, is the Get Your Rear and Gear 5K Run Walk. That is taking place in Redmond at Redmond Central Connector. 
on Sunday, September 23rd in Kansas City is there. Get your rear and gear 5K run, walk, and kids fun run. That is taking place at Zona Rosa in Kansas City, Missouri. Coming up on Saturday, September 29th, Columbus, Ohio is the next stop for the Get Your Rear and Gear 5K Run Walk and Kids Fun Run. That taking place at Creekside Plaza in Gahana, Ohio. And then moving into October, on October 13th, we have two Get Your Rear and Gear events. Actually, make that three Get Your Rear and Gear events. Uh, one is the 5K Run Walk in Indianapolis, Indiana at Eagle Creek Park Beach. The other is taking place in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at Rotary Performance Pavilion. That too is a 5K Run Walk. And that is your Get Your Rear and Gear events for the next several weeks. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer, and thank you to our sponsors, H2ORS and the Colon Cancer Coalition, for your support. We Have Cancer is a proud supporter of Genie's Blue Angels, providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer.